0: Okay, hey, take six, three, two, one, action.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to Just Law, the BC Law podcast, where you are happy BC Law student hosts. I'm Kevin O'Sullivan.
2: I'm Leah Silverman. I'm Joanna Plaisier.
3: I'm Tom Blakely.
1: And we are happy to be with you. Oh, how like much of the world, times have changed. Once upon a time, we would have been coming at you from a studio. We're here, though. We're still coming at you, and we're bringing everything from Zoom, yes, like most of the world, but Just Law is focused on the stories behind the law, the people and the community of which we're a part. We're talking about BC Law. We're talking about what goes on for our students. We have student spotlights, but we're also talking about the issues that matter most and how we, as we form our identities and enter the world, how we're going to lead. So we're so happy to be here with you. Uh, These four hosts are having a great time already. Uh, Leah, how are you feeling about finally starting out and being able to launch Just Law?
0: I'm feeling great. You know, this started as just the seed of an idea and here we are ready for the world to hear us. Special shout out to my grandparents and my parents. Thanks for listening.
1: There was a a, a very fortunate change in our programming when this year, Joanna and Tom, as new incoming 1Ls, jumped aboard. Uh, Joanna, how does it feel to be here?
2: You know, Kevin, it always feels good to be (laughs) the fresh perspective on things. I love it, and we love having you. And now, of course,
1: uh, in news that I don't like to bring to you, my accent is going to get a little challenge, a little pushback from someone who also brings a certain Boston voice to the show. Tom? In,
3: in my 24 years of, of, of walking the hard streets of Boston, I have heard no accent hotter than that of yours truly, right? <laughs> I mean, this is like, I, I hope the listeners can hear what we're saying because, I mean, I, I honestly can't have the time. But to, to tell you the truth, I'm living the dream. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here with you all and uh, talking about issues, both the serious and you know, at times the not so serious.
1: Well, that's the idea, right? I think a lot of times uh, the issues aren't taken seriously enough, but people take themselves too seriously. So we'd like to correct that balance and maybe add to that degree. Uh, this episode, this launch episode, we are talking about uh, a competition that just happened at BC Law, a competition that actually, uh, it kind of sets us apart in a way it's unique for one else to be able to participate in competitions uh, as soon as they get here. And for this, we're talking about the negotiations competition. And we all had a few different conversations. Uh, how do we feel they went? Uh, I know that we are having an interview with, uh, with the negotiation competition winners. How did that go?
3: You're right, Kevin, winners we had indeed. Uh, we were able to sit down uh, with the winners of this year's contest, get to know them, get to learn more about their strategy Uh, As you might say, learn some more uh, in terms of advice for future participants in the competition and also learn more about each other.
0: We also got to learn more about another first-year law student with our inaugural student spotlight. So we spoke to a student named Kevin Corcoran. 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 We spoke to a student named Kevin Corcoran and we learned more about him than I think you would ever learn in a classmate. And we may have a treat for you in the form of a wrap.
1: And we were also fortunate enough to interview the director of the advocacy programs, Professor Rosemary Daly. Uh, Professor Daly is a proud double eagle, BC and BC law, and now stands at the helm of all advocacy programs, but also coaches and is coaching uh, the negotiation team this year as they proceed to the regional round. So very excited to have her with us
2: and now we're going to tune in to our uh interview the negotiations competition finalists travis salters and sarah p uh
3: so we have just a just a number of questions but first we'll just have uh you guys introduce yourselves uh to to, for the folks watching back home just kind of where you're from where you went to college kind of you know what what brought you here and uh what what we should know
4: i I can go first um so yeah i'm sarah for i'm from middleton massachusetts originally so the north shore of Mass. I've always been here. Um, I actually went to Bentley undergrad and I graduated. Me too. Oh, really?
3: 19. Yeah. How about you?
4: Yeah. Graduated December 19. 20, December
3: 2019.
4: Oh, okay. I graduated right. we'll to... Oh, wow, I had no idea. Um, yeah. So I went to Bentley undergrad and I just worked for six months in Cambridge at a startup um, doing HR and then I'm here now.
5: Travis Salters. Um, and I went to Penn State University, um, originally from the greater Philadelphia area. Uh, spent several years in Atlanta, Georgia, where I taught with Teach for America, um, and then started a nonprofit down in Atlanta called Next Generation Men and Women. Um, and then I did some, did some other education and community development work in, in Georgia before coming to Boston.
3: Cool, very cool, awesome. Well, it's good. To, it's good. It's good to get to know you guys. Yeah, I know it's, it's weird from like our, our group meet. It's like, these are like people whose like names you see, but you never really get to meet everybody. And so it's good to be able to to do this and to meet you guys and uh, talk about this negotiation contest. So I was in, it. I think it seems like everybody was in this thing. Um, I mean, I guess I can only speak for myself. It was definitely interesting. I mean, I think that uh, you know, for a lot of people, like it was enjoyable, but it was also a little bit um, you know, maybe uncomfortable is the right word. Like I think that like being kind of thrown to the the sharks just a few weeks into the semester and, you know, arguing with people you see during class might not necessarily be the most comfortable thing, but it was interesting to be able to do that. Uh, So I guess the first question uh, I would ask you guys is kind of what brought you to the competition? Was it just kind of like everybody's doing it or was there like something about it you you really liked or or kind of what, what made you want to sign up?
4: I don't mind going first. I did not want to sign up at all. I didn't want to do it at all. I started law school. Everyone seems to know what they're doing here. I don't know anything. I feel like I was so, I was like, oh my God, another email. Like we have to do this. And so I signed up begrudgingly thinking like, I must do this because everyone else is going to do this and I have to. And then I did the random uh, like selection for a partner. And I was like mad about that too, because I just felt like everyone knew each other. You know, like I was not nothing against Travis. I was excited when we got partnered, but in my head, I was like, everyone's gonna have a partner already, and I'm just picking someone randomly. But it all ended up working out really well. Um, I not everyone had a partner, so a lot of people went in random. So that's why I I signed up.
5: Yeah, and I, and I would say for me, um, I, I was I was looking forward to it. I would heard about it um, right before the competition. So once I came came to BC, but I'm all I'm fully remote. Um so I don't have the opportunity to meet a lot of my classmates, uh, you know l- let alone the entire class. Um, so I looked at it initially as just an opportunity to start meeting some new people, start putting some you know faces to names that I'm seeing in group meetings and on email chains and everything else. Um, so I looked at it as a social endeavor at first, uh, but then, when I got into it, um I was you know I was very happy I was, I was uh, with my partner, and uh, we both wanted to win. <laughs> <laughs> after like after the first after the first round uh, so then it became a little bit more competitive after that yeah cool
2: yeah. so did you guys hear about negotiations prior to the semester starting in that like do you hear about it Do you know what it was about what you'd be doing or was it completely blank slate I don't
4: I don't think I knew what it was about I think our sec my section again I can only speak from mine definitely had a buzz about it and like everyone was intimidating to me the first week because I was just like, I don't know anyone. And why does everyone know about things I don't know about? And I just felt like out of the loop. So then I, I got the email being like, oh, sign in for the info session. And I sat through it and I was like, I, I mean like Travis had a much more pleasant reaction to it. I was so not, I guess nervous, but also just like stressed about it because I felt like, I don't know how to negotiate. Why am I doing this? Um and so I I definitely I just took the buzz and went with it um and signed up yeah
3: Cool awesome uh, so you guys kind of already uh you know alluded to it a little bit but just in you know terms of selecting a partner you know kind of uh, having like a random match up there kind of what was your uh you know experience with that getting to meet you know or Sarah meeting Travis and so forth as you went along because I guess for me I also you know picked a random partner um for mine who was also a fully remote student it was it was interesting like I think it was on the one hand you know an opportunity to you know meet somebody else from a different place and also kind of begin the semester and, and you know kind of have somebody to talk about it with different things, but at the same time um you know it's interesting kind of when the when the rubber hits the road and the the lights are on and you're you know here we are we're debating go uh just kind of seeing different people's styles and kind of how people tend to react to these things so how is that uh you know kind of re- relationship work out you know given that you didn't really know each other before getting started you know i would
5: I would say um one thing that worked well for us is that we took a lot of time outside of the competition to meet and, and to connect. And, you know, at, at first it was kind of awkward cause it was over, it was over zoom. It was like at yeah. the beginning of the semester, we were already swamped with work, you know? Um, so there were those, those dynamics, but to be honest with you, after like the first week or two, um, the chemistry just clicked and, and, you know, we were able to just, you know, first relate on the overwhelming schoolwork at the beginning of our conversation, and then we'd get to the negotiation. So it was very pleasant. Um, and, you know, our, our personalities uh, clicked in a lot of ways, our, our skill sets, um, and, again, our, our desire to win. <laughs> you know, I'll never, I'll never forget, like, the second time we met, uh, Sarah said, you know, I want to win this thing now. Like, I, after we had gone through the negotiation after yeah. the first round, we had an idea of what it was. And after she said that, I was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's go for it.
4: Yeah, I would just piggyback off of that and say, we met the first time and I had, I don't even think Travis knows this, I, the first meeting we had, I had Zoom issues, which I think was an obvious, but I had not fully read the prompt. And so, so so he like had so much to say and I was like, damn, I didn't read it. And so I, I then like after the, because it just, I was swamped, like I felt unprepared for the workload. So when that first meeting came around i just wasn't ready and then after our first go at it and we and i obviously prepared, prepared afterwards and we talked again i was like oh wait a minute this can be so good we can do this so we were like wait a minute this is easy we got this and so we we kept on to like a confidence maybe a false confidence at times on my end <laughs> and we just worked with it and after the second after the first round and that second meeting we had i was like yeah let's i mean we're already doing it so we might as well fully commit <laughs>
2: I mean, it's great to have. It seems like you guys had a really good balance. I mean, I'm sure you did to get to as far as you all did. Um, but what I'm interested to know is, uh, how do you feel your relationship evolved from that first uh, that first day uh, when you competed to where you got in the finals? Like, I'm sure there's a lot of balance, give and take that you have to figure out with your partner, especially difficult over Zoom because you can't really read that body language. So, how did you all deal with that?
5: I, th- I think it came down to um, our team's strategy. Like we naturally um, kind of gravitated towards different like elements in our strategy. For instance, just for, as an example, like opening statement stuff, like who was gonna speak first? Like Sarah was very adamant that I spoke first for some reason.
4: Like every time.
5: <laughs> it, c- it came up every time. So I spent a lot of my time thinking of, all right, how do I, how do we want this to start? What, what tone do we wanna have going into this? but Sarah was amazing at coming up with different options and different packages and the, and the different variables and, and organizing in the, in a chart that made it, you know, helped me understand the content as well. Um, which of course informed the opening statement. So we kind of gravitated towards different, um, strategy elements, which helped. Yeah, Ooh. yeah Ooh. I
4: would say so. I think that the, the judges picked up on the fact that both Travis and I had very well balanced traits that ended up working to our advantage in our arguments where Travis would balance something out, I would then couple it with balancing out another part of the argument. So I think that that was where we ended up getting really lucky.
3: Cool. Awesome. And then uh, the next question, is just kind of going off of that, uh, would you guys say that, uh, you know, you're, you're introverted or maybe more extroverted by nature? Because I think one of the interesting things uh, or maybe, you know, uh, you know, uh, unfortunate things about, you know, the contest is you just kind of you know, go from round to round, uh, you know, like, I, I can relate to this myself. And you get into the thing, your judge says, Okay, you know, here we are, I'm so and so. And you'd start and kind of seeing those kind of contrasting uh, personalities, I think was cause for dismay from some like, I know some of the rounds I was in were, uh, you know, a little bit heated, maybe sometimes, but uh, what would you guys say about that? Are you more, you know, introverted, extroverted, kind of how would you describe your, you know, sort of the attitude you, you were bringing to these uh, negotiations when you first, uh, you know, met uh, your, you know, who you were negotiating against?
5: I guess I, I'll, I can um, start on this one. You know, I, I've always struggled with that question, um, whether I'm introverted or extroverted, because it really depends on the day for me. <laughs> like, like, I know it has something to do with energy and how you get your energy, but it really depends on the day. It can, it can depend on the weather, for instance. Like, it, There's a lot to it. Um, I think with this competition, though, you're kind of putting on a mask, a mask so much, and you were kind of stepping into like a role that it really didn't, I don't think that played a factor for me as much. I knew I was gonna come out with energy, but I was gonna be composed and poised, um, regardless of how they responded. And I think that kind of um, kind of was overriding compared to like whether I'm extroverted or introverted naturally.
4: Yeah, I would say the same thing. I would say I'm also, I my friends would say I'm an extrovert. I can be an extrovert in moments, but in law school, I don't think there's a lot of opportunity, especially being on Zoom so much like, I don't feel like an extrovert in law school. I feel like right. an introvert who is extroverted at times. And I think that I, being in the competition, you just take on the role of, I don't think it's a question of more of, are you introverted or extroverted? Do you Are you able to manage, again, I would say false confidence. Real confidence would be like, I actually know what I'm talking about and I have a JD. My false confidence as a 1L is, is this strong and I can just push through and just get to my point knowing that. And I think managing the confidence is what was most important in this.
2: When they're like, all right, scene, like you're gonna start and be the lawyers. I was like, hee hee, look at me. I'm a big old lawyer. I am representing, etc." cetera. Um, well, did you ever find those moments silly as well? Or do you think it was easy to step into that role and become that person who you're representing?
5: I think at the beginning um, of, the, of the negotiation, I tried to be serious as possible you know, in the back of my head, I definitely had the same thoughts. I was like, this is, this is silly. Um, but you know, it's, it's, you know, I had to fake it. Right. But at the end, I always said, scene. like I always did that for some reason. I don't know why. Um, so I definitely can relate to that.
3: No, I, I definitely relate to Travis's point at the end of the thing. Cause I remember, you know, doing these rounds and I mean, I don't know what it was, but like ours would tend to be particularly like a little bit, you know, it'd be not aggressive, but you know, some tempers might flare at times. And so at the end, like, I'd always try to say, all right, guys. Well, that was, you know, just trying to like recognize the uh, sort of the, the the fiction of all of this and you know right. just try to reiterate that we're all, you know, we don't actually dislike each other. We're not actually this, uh, uh, you know, cutthroat or I don't know, maybe some of them are, but I, I don't know, I can only speak for myself, but I, I definitely hear that like at the end of it trying to say like, oh, hey, you know, good job and just trying to kind of bring it all around. Uh, so the next question would just be, um, you know, really just going off of that, you know, what was your experience with just sort of, you know, the posturing, the bravado, kind of some of the... Um, you know, some of the acting, if you will, that, that would go on in these things? Because I know, you know, just to just speak from experience with mine, you know, sometimes people would, um, you know, sort of act like they're on Judge Judy, like some people really were feeling their oats uh, at times. So kind of how, how, how did how did you do kind of, you know, in, in, in those moments where, you know, maybe not necessarily tempers would flare, but, you know, the acting and sort of the, the, the fiction of all this and needing to really. Um, you know presents a good you know uh, front and really you know stand up for you know uh, what it is you were negotiating for like how would you do in kind of those more perhaps intense uh, as you might describe the moments of the negotiation
4: I think that's a really good question I think that this might be a little too general and other people may disagree with me but I think that the strategy we went with and we did win so I feel like it ended up in different people, like different groups of people, it worked. So I don't know if that actually was just lucky, right? It could have been. Ironically, we got groups of people that all fit this, but we killed them with kindness at times. And I don't even know if we were actually nice. We just, I don't think we ever, ever did that. Of like, are you serious? Are you kidding? Are you like, being like super snarky? And we had someone, I think at one time that was like a little snarky with us once. And we both just we we didn't flinch. And I think that that's what saved us. Because if we had fallen for the, the snarkiness felt like a trap. And it was like, no one's actually mad at you. It's not here like it's not their, like their lives that are at stake here. They just are thinking of themselves as lawyers. And they're like, Oh, if I do it like this, it'll it'll catch them off guard. And we tried our best not to fall for those.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like that professionalism switch, right? Like, yeah. I, don't think it was any, I don't think it was any different than that, like the, the same way that, um, you know, I may be if, if I'm on call in class was how I kind of presented in the negotiation competition. It's just like being professional. Like I'm not going to be emotional at all. I'm not going to have a certain reaction. And then I turn that switch off afterwards, you know, and I think that's the only acting. Like I'm not the same person I am in class as I am on the golf course with my buddies, you know, um, so
2: a bit of a natural uh switches scene. That's amazing. Great to hear. Um so I just want to ask on how you two felt as, in your experience as a whole uh with negotiations. You know, I heard uh Sarah mention that it was kind of tough to balance it out with the readings. I know I felt felt the same way um i had you know a whole stack of readings for civil procedure but now i gotta figure out how to get this guy to separate from his company amicably so like, how did you uh is out even outside how do you feel about the experience just in general
4: i i ended up i mean i obviously sounded so terrible when i first talked about it i think after the first time i ended up loving it it was like it really built i ended up joining um like the group that runs it afterwards. And I was so happy because I felt like it really was like an authentic addition to an organization for me because I really felt like I gained a sense of like purpose here that I didn't get just from being in class. I felt like as I was doing it, I was doing something that is why I wanted to go to law school. Like I didn't know I love negotiating as much as I really do. But I, it really sparked that for me, and I, I was happy about it. So it it almost was like, you know, when you used to do a sport after school that you loved and it was a great distraction, it felt like that for me. Um, So I was happy. Again, of course, like by the end of the week, I was like, oh, my God, another one of these. But it, it was worth it. It was well worth it.
3: What advice, strategies, tips, you know, obviously – uh, having, uh, you know, been quite successful at this, would you give to people who are entering the competition next year? Um, and it could be in terms of anything, just kind of what advice would you give? Maybe if you had to, you know, do again, I mean, you might not do it again because it seems like it works well the first time. Um, but, but what advice or strategies or tips or anything would you guys give to, you know,
5: students who are going into this
3: contest next year?
5: Yeah, um, definitely a, just a few tips. I think the number one thing that I wish I would have um, – emphasized earlier um, in our conversation, is just to learn from your opponents. I think the reason that we won, and I've told people this, that have asked me over the last week or two, like, you know, how did, you, how did y'all do it? Um, one, it's a lot of luck, because there's a lot of talent at BC. So there's nothing, you know, special, you know, like it's just, we performed well in that moment. Um, but two, We learn so much from our opponents every week. So we owe a lot to them for for why we eventually uh, were successful. Um, Things that they did well, things that they could have uh, done better. So like during that reflection period after the negotiation, definitely pay attention to those reflection conversations. Um, So so that you're not just learning from your own mistakes. You're learning from somebody else's mistakes as well, or, you know, um,
3: their glows the champions uh, as it were of the uh, fall 2020 negotiation contest. Congratulations to you both again. Uh, Thank you for coming on. We uh, enjoyed asking these
0: questions. And now we're going to listen to our student spotlight with Kevin Corcoran. Yeah, okay. So Kevin, we'd like you to tell us where you're from, where you went to college, what you did before law school, and how have you felt about law school
6: Thus far. Sure. Thanks for having me on today. So happy. Uh, I'm from Clearwater, Florida. I grew up in Florida and then for college I went to Northwestern University in Evanston. Before law school I was working as a teacher in Jacksonville, Florida. I taught chemistry and earth science. I studied education and social policy and economics um, and along with that I also studied I also studied Chinese language for two years. I speak four languages total, English, Spanish, Japanese, and Chinese. Japanese, I'm just beginning. And honestly, I'm not gonna lie, I've really been enjoying my first year of law school. I have planned on going to law school since I was in high school. I kind of always knew I wanted to do government public policy work, and it's been a dream. Uh, Everything is great. I really enjoy getting to know my classmates. I enjoy being challenged in the classroom. And this is a different experience from my previous work experience. And I've tried to take advantage of every opportunity I can.
0: Well, that sounds amazing. You seem like the model law student. Now we're gonna move into some questions. So Tom, if you wanna take the first question.
3: Yeah, sure. All right, Kevin. Uh, Well, the first question that we have for you is, I'm sure one we can all uh, relate to, and is, uh, did you pick up any quarantine uh, hobbies? So I know, you know, it's obviously differed, uh, you know, geographically throughout the year, kind of where things were, uh, you know, more of a lockdown perhaps than in other places. But I'm sure uh, we can all relate. So the question is, you know, anything, anything you picked up, any kinds of things you did while you were uh, hunkered down there that you'd like to tell us about?
6: Yeah, I, uh, I started doing high intensity interval training. Uh, so, I'm like kind of lazy and I was like a little bit heavier, and I'm still trying to get to like a healthier weight. So, I started doing not like a longer workout, like a jog, but just working out for five minutes and really like getting a sweat on. Um, I also play chess and Settlers of Catan. I don't know if anyone plays it, but it's a really great board game. Uh, it's like risk mis- mixed with Monopoly, and uh, you try to collect victory points. Um, it's my favorite game. I would play it if I didn't have reading and homework and stuff. Um, Also a little retro, uh, I got a PlayStation 2 and I play those video games every now and then. I play like Spyro the Dragon, just if I need like an hour to kill or something. Um, Also have like Naruto, kind of like Street Fighter. Um, And I also did some more cooking and baking. I learned how to make like a sauce from scratch and I learned a couple like new recipes.
3: Wow. Man of many talents.
0: That sounds amazing. As a lazy person myself, I know how hard it is to get outside for the first five minutes. So um, props to you. Okay. Our next question for you is what is your favorite study snack? Since you did do a little more cooking and baking, is that how you take your study break by doing that or do you like a quick grab and go snack?
6: That's a good question. I like uh, almonds, but I also I, I have um, coffee like everywhere I go. And I have like this little cup. Uh, it's got a cat. Yeah, you know, um, I tried. Like I was spending a lot of money on Dunkin and other coffee, so I usually just drink it black now with ice. It's yeah. kind of hard to like focus without <laughs> it. I remember one morning in class, I didn't have a coffee. And I was looking at one of our professors talking and I just, I just left. I just wasn't there.
0: So if we have any prospective students listening, coffee is the key to all success in class.
3: You said that right now. I mean, I, since, since, I've started, I've been going to Duncan. I just get a large black, no sugar, no cream. Cause I'm, you know, that, that, that's the way to take it. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely really, and I think Kevin as well, uh i believe don't don't you like bring if i you know when i glance over don't you have like something to like prop up your case book that i see you with like, a, like like equipment
6: that you bring yes i i did purchase a book stand It's like um, an easel like you're
3: over there painting
6: the, book I needed,
0: is the best purchase that. for law school
6: mm-hmm. i needed to get the 25 dollar minimum to get free shipping on amazon <laughs> so i figured might as well get something useful for class wow excellent
3: strategy uh, well, all right. Uh, our next question uh, we want to ask you said, uh, you know, you're originally, uh, from Florida. So you're obviously not, uh, you know, from Boston. I assume you're new, uh, to Boston. So the question is, what's your favorite thing to do here? I know there's, uh, you know, as many things are kind of shuttered and, uh, not, uh, the way they usually are. Maybe it's a little bit harder to kind of get out there and, and, and do different things, but thus far, uh, in your, in your time in the, in the, in the Bay state, what, uh, you know, kind of what, has been your favorite thing to do or to see or place to go or so forth?
6: During the summer, I really enjoyed going to Revere Beach. That was like really peaceful. And I also liked, just this past weekend, I went to the Arnold Arboreum. That was crazy seeing the leaves change. That's always, the first time I ever saw leaves change was like last year of high school. And like, it still is kind of like nostalgic. It's just like important and like a good sight to see. Um, also like New Bay Street downtown is like a good shopping area. Um, just like, you know, look for clothes or, uh, snacks or cakes. My personal favorite cake place right now is called junkwills Uh, it's downtown. They do 3d printed cakes. So it's like apples with like little cubes.
0: Amazing.
6: You should try it. It's really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm big into the cake
3: game. I am huge into the into the cake. This
0: brings us into our next round which is still questions, but this is more of a game. And we're going to bring Tom in on this game just to see where you guys lie. And if you have any differences and if you want to debate them, feel free. Are you guys ready? Yep. I'm ready. Would you rather have all traffic lights you approach be green or never have to stand in line again?
3: I would say have all the traffic lights be green. Cause I mean, the amount of time that I spend, uh, banging the steering wheel in frustration at the at the many red lights and forlorn intersections in Massachusetts. Is, it just seems like I'm running into that a whole lot more than I'm waiting in lines, especially these days. I mean, we're not, you know, kind of standing in like large groups uh, as much. So I'd say I definitely have to go for the, for the traffic lights.
6: I'm going to have to agree. I, I've always kind of been a fan of lines, to be honest, like you can kind of see who, what's going on, who's in the crowd with you, but Sometimes just in traffic, it, it's just too much. I would just prefer to have a straight commute home, like no problems. Um, I was like in a car accident in, I, I also like there's roundabouts, like I, I'm kind of new to that game. Um, so I think green lights, it's just, it's clear, you know what's going on, you know what to expect.
0: I've never heard someone say that they're a fan of wines, So that might be the most unpopular opinion of our entire podcast. So I appreciate have
3: to agree. Them. You've had some unpopular opinions, but that's, that takes the cake. Pun intended.
0: Our next question is, would you rather always be 10 minutes late or 20 minutes early? And I'm going to answer this one and I'm going to say 20 minutes early. Always.
6: That is a tough one. I, I would also probably say 20 minutes early. I hate being late to things. Um, Almost like religiously so. So I don't think I could always be 10 minutes late to a meeting. And you would definitely get some some looks in class because the doors in our building are so loud.
3: Yeah, for sure. I'd have to agree. I mean, even though it would probably be like uncomfortable and kind of annoying to be 20 minutes early. I mean, I'm sure there's like a lot of things where you really don't want to be 10 minutes late. So I think it's kind of a kind of a trade off there. So I guess 20 minutes early.
0: Okay. And then we have one more. And I think this one is really tricky, especially for law students, because we talk a lot and we read a lot. So would you rather have to read aloud every word you read or sing everything you say out loud? So that means every word you're saying, you have to sing it or every word you're reading, it has to come out of your mouth you'd never be allowed in libraries again, or you probably wouldn't be allowed in a courtroom or they'd laugh at you, which could be fun.
6: It's a tough one. Can I rap?
0: Mm -hmm. Does
6: it have to be singing?
0: No, I'd I'd accept rapping, I'll let Hamilton.
6: Okay, then I would definitely choose singing slash rapping because I, in my past life, I had a uh, amateur career as a freestyle rapper. So I definitely would prefer to do that. I I think a judge might find me more convincing if uh, what I say rhymes.
3: Kevin, you can't Um, throw that out there, like not demo it for us. Like now we need to hear
6: something. Um, the choice is read aloud every word you read or sing everything you say out loud. And that might be a little confusing, like the lines of a cloud, but nevertheless, don't distress. If you say everything that you need, then the judge will have to agree. Holy
3: smokes. That's He's dropping bars for us. Look at that.
7: Amazing.
3: Tremendous, like eight mile over here. One that's last amazing. question real quick. If you had like a rap name, what, what would it be?
6: Oh, My rap name is Corkscrew.
3: That's the right answer.
6: Thank you.
0: Because his last name is Corcoran, right? right. Yep. Mm-hmm. I just want to put that out there. Well, that's all I have for this segment. Thank you so much, Kevin, for coming on. Uh, I am happy to.
1: Introduce uh, Professor Daly, Professor Rosemary Daly. She is uh, queen of the ag- advocacy competitions and uh, my own personal coach throughout many of them. Whether it was client counseling or helping out now with Mood Corp, but you'll hear all about that in the interview. So please uh, stay tuned. We look forward to it and uh, enjoy. Hello, Professor Daly. And welcome. And
7: hello, Kenny. How are you?
1: <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm doing great. You're the first inaugural interviewee of the Just Law podcast. How does that make sense? Hey, I am
7: so incredibly honored, and particularly to be interviewed by you, one of my favorites. <laughs>
1: oh, I appreciate that. You're too good. You're too kind. This, uh, this is pretty exciting. We, we've been trying to get this podcast going for a while and now to launch, and there's going to be so many great conversations. Obviously, uh, sadly, it's a it's a very tough time, a, a tragic time for a lot of people, really for our whole country. But to be able to have this and have this platform to talk about what's most important and to share these stories and to get the humanity of of the law and of B.C. Law, that's pretty good. We're pretty we're pretty blessed and fortunate to have that.
7: Oh, we are. I'm um, as you know, I'm a double eagle myself and uh BC means a lot to me and to my family. I have uh, seven brothers, six brothers and sisters, and five are BC grads and my in-laws, and you know, so we're an all-BC family. But I think one of the best things about BC is the community—the fact that we we really care about each other and we Amen. stick together—and uh, it's really what it makes what makes it so incredibly special. And I'm not just saying that; um, I really and truly mean that. Um, so I'm really excited about this.
1: I want to start by saying, first of all, thank you so much for coming on. This really means a lot. And as you said, you know, it, me, it does mean a lot to me, personally, because our relationship goes back to 1L, goes back to starting law school, which is pretty cool. You know, yeah. I love that we've been able to have this all three years. Um, uh, it, when we were in person, over COVID, over Zoom, we're still, we still have this. and and. For me, my law school experience has been exactly what you just said, um, BC Law has been there for me and, and that community is so strong and has enriched me and has, has allowed me to grow as a person and as a lawyer. There's been a lot of development and formation and identity building there, so I love it. And obviously, since we're talking about advocacy competitions, who's better to talk to than the queen herself? And one of... of the
7: stars, one of the all-time client <laughs> counseling stars, Mr. <laughs> O'Sullivan. <laughs>
1: I don't know about that, but I will say, director of advocacy competitions, you've done it all. Um, you also, of course, said your own experience at BC Law. You're a double legal BC, BC Law. Your family's deeply enmeshed in it all. Um, maybe just briefly, what what has that what has that meant to you, and and how was your law school experience? And how does that compare now when you're on the side of the faculty?
7: Um, It really is an extension of my personal experience, both undergrad and the law school. And um, I'm going to go off on a little tale about my first year as a first year student. And I had come after I'd gone to graduate school and I had two young children, very young, that were preschool age. And I can remember this was the first or second week of BC law school first year. And one of my children uh, was having surgery in a um, floating hospital in Boston Children's Hospital. And so I had to miss class. And in those days, we didn't have computers and e-phones or email or any of that. And so it was all notes. And you know, those students from first year, I lived in Newton, were driving out, bringing me notes, bringing me things to make sure that I didn't miss anything. Wow! And you hear about law school being so competitive, of course it is but the fact that they would go to that trouble and make sure I had this and bring books and make sure I had the notes. And it was, I've never forgotten it. And they're still my friends to this day. Uh, We have a great relationship. Some of them actually have uh, children now who are in the undergrad school and I'm the person, you know, the medical contact if they're living (laughs) in Florida or whatever, and something happens, they need some money or they need something. Um, I'm the, the resident go-to mom for, (laughs) <laughs> all these undergrad
1: students. Isn't that amazing? I, I just love to hear that because that is, that is the goal for us. This is the point and purpose of Just Law. The, the point and purpose of this podcast is to explore the humanity and the leadership of the law. And, and what I mean by that is that everyone, more than ever, I hope we realize, it is an all-hands-on-deck moment. It truly always has been, but it certainly is now. And we at BC Law want to, need to, should be, can be leaders in this field doing what is right and bringing all of that to the law and, and to your presentation, to your advocacy is extremely important. You are the director of advocacy competitions your role has expanded over the years and has changed, especially now with COVID. I mean, you and I, uh, and, and we'll get into this more. I, coming into law school, knew that I wanted to embrace and engage in as much experiential learning, taking as many clinical and hands on, real lawyering uh, uh, experiences and, and, and lessons and seminars and whatever form it took. I wanted to be involved in it. So, you and I have known each other from negotiations to client counseling now to moot court. We've really we've really spanned it all. But do you want to just speak a little bit to your your role as director and then all the different roles that you've had within that? You've coached client counseling. This year you're coaching the negotiations uh, competition finalists in, in their regional rounds. So just how what has your role been and how has it expanded?
7: Well typically it's be, to be the director of the advocacy programs, which do, do encompass negotiation, like you said, which is the first year first competition that you'd experience as 1L at BC Law School. So it's really your introduction to lawyering really, and to get your feet wet to see what it really means to have a client, to work with a, another counsel. And then really to see when you have alumni judge, how you interact with somebody in the judging, position, how well you take constructive criticism, all of those things you kind of learn as you go on, Um, thinking ahead, planning for your client, all of those. So it's a really wonderful thing in terms of lawyering skills.
1: Later in the show, we'll be interviewing uh, the negotiation competition winners, who now you are coaching for their national competition in the regional round. You know, for me, looking back, 1L, you know, you're new to law school, you're still trying to meet people, you're trying to figure out where's my place in all this, what's my role, how, how how do I best approach law school and immerse myself, and that negotiation competition happens right in October, or you know, early. And like you said, Professor, all of a sudden, you have a teammate, you're meeting people from your section, from other sections, people that you have class with, and you're being able to see people outside of the courtroom and really get to know them. You're practicing, you're talking about things that are you know, intellectual and serious, and then at the same time, you're developing this chemistry and teamwork that just allows you to, to have fun. And, and also, through it all, to relax, you know, to, kind of, to acclimate to law school. The, that negotiation competition just made law school so much more accessible and really allowed you to to wade in and and get your feet wet and begin to really dive into, wow, I love this, this is what I've been looking for, this is, it confirms so much for you. This is what I've been looking for and now ready to to take off with it. Um, Like you said, this year, 192 students 96 teams competed in the negotiation competition.
7: And that's one of the things too, particularly with COVID, where some of the students are not on campus, and I'm I'm not on campus myself, and we're doing things remotely, the competitions really do provide them a way of meeting other people within their sections and feeling connected to the community. And it allows the alums who are incredible. I mean, we have such an alumni turnout to judge all these competitions and without them, they really, we wouldn't be able to really run them at all. But just to see, uh, particularly with this year's negotiation competition, we had 192 of the first year students come out. amazing. It's amazing. And one of the things I judge, you know, some of the competitions and one of the things that was so nice is for them to be able to realize that, you know, say you're remotely learning from wherever you are, be it Florida or New Jersey or something. And then to find out that you can meet other people in your section, say, you know, I have a friend who goes to BC Law. Do you know somebody? Well, if you're not on campus, you may not. And so, this is really great. You've got your teammate, you can meet with them. And afterwards, we always chat and we have a little bit of critique of the students and a little bit of feedback. And it's just really nice. Uh, one of my friends actually ju- has judged negotiation. She was getting thank you notes from the students, you know, saying, you know, how great it was, how much, you know, they appreciated her feedback. And I just think that that really gives us some kind of a sense that we're not. You know, wherever you are, and I'm down, you know, another place, or I'm at the Cape, or somebody's in California, we feel connected. And yes. it's a great opportunity because it gives us, like we are talking about, the teamwork. It does give you a sense of camaraderie and a sense of teamwork, and you meet the students that you can work with. And really, in the practice of law, you don't necessarily have to know everything, but you have to be able to find it out or know somebody who can direct you in the right way. And so the longer you practice, and I still do, the more you realize that those are the connections that you need. Um, I that love you it. Can reach out to somebody. And if you don't know, someone's got your back. You know, you yes. can call somebody and say, hey, this is the first time I've ever done this. Can you help me out or send me in the right direction? And it goes on and on. It just exactly. doesn't end when we left the door. So I think that's what was really particularly important about it. Um, I love that. I loved that.
1: I had no idea what negotiations really even was. Mm -hmm. Negotiation, what does that mean? How does that work? How can that even be a competition? Because, all right, you want this, I want that. How does that work? And all of a sudden, what you develop just through doing it, you develop this style and this practice of how to best achieve a compromised outcome that somehow, you know what? There's space in between what you and I want I move, you move, we figure out how to move each other and we, we end up where, where is, is best based on what we can both give and take. And in a way, I shouldn't even say in a way, that is the lesson of today in so many ways. Um, but, but to be able to learn how to do that and to be able to truly move, stay strong in your own position, know the other side, have that awareness, move the other person, I mean, really, it doesn't get better, so my question and all that is, what does the negotiation competition best teach? What does it best prepare law students for, especially one else?
7: Working with others, learning how to compromise, learning to figure out what the you're really you ultimate goal is, or your interest, you know, figuring out what is your goal, what do you really want to happen, and not get bogged down in minutia, because sometimes you can give a little and still get ahead, just like you see in a pallet argument. You might concede a point, but you don't concede something that necessarily is going to hurt you, and I guess particularly in these times where where every, so many people are at each other and not listening to each other and maybe using words or terms that may, may not be what I mean when I say something because we don't understand each other's language. We might not be expressing ourselves in words that somebody else understands. So being able to really listen to people and figuring out what they really want and how we have common goals and common interests. And that plays out for everything that's happening now. If people would only be able to negotiate things, we wouldn't be all so stressed out about what's going on in the world right now. So I think it's just one of the best life lessons you can, you can have. I,
1: I love what you just said there. I, I couldn't agree more with that. And this is something that I've experienced over many, over, over the years, over my, my cumulative whole law school time. The path towards identity building, I find fascinating to begin with. But when we really begin to think of formation as a person, identity as a person, but also formation and identity as a lawyer, it's very important. Like I say, I really didn't know negotiation competition, what exactly does that mean? And now I look back and I say, it was foundational, formative, I loved it, and it set me up for the rest of law school. It made 1L, I loved it. it made, 1L was, was going to be amazing anyway, I'm not going to lie to you. But it added so much, and it allows you to develop, like you say, where do I really want to be? I think I want this, do I actually? Let me try on something I never thought of, wait a minute, I love that. So it really does, it's breadth and depth. It opens you up to so much. And and I, I, I love that part of it. Maybe the best way to finish our conversation, <laughs> you alluded to it before, you judged me in negotiation competition, correctly, I must say. Uh, you then coached uh, Abby and I in the client counseling competition. We get into the regional round, we make it to the next day. I think you told me to be there at eight in the morning, and I may or may not have showed up, you know, at nine. (laughs) What is your recollection of that? And did you, I remember, you told me a story about another ADA that you worked with, and what the judge said to him. Do you maybe just want to recount that story for for the listeners?
7: co-worker very similar to you in demeanor and <laughs> personality. This is years ago. And we had been in Cambridge District Court and we were in the first session and the judge used to call instead of um call by the, the assistant district attorney and they'd say, okay courtroom one, courtroom three, and they're calling this person, calling this person. And the judge, female judge on the bench, happens to look up and said, may the record reflect, we're supposed to be in court at nine (laughs) o'clock. It is nine, now 906, and Mr. So-and-so is now moseying into the courtroom. (laughs) (laughs) And from that day forward, he became known as Mosey. (laughs) Last I heard, he was an assistant a U.S. attorney in the Southwest See? and had done incredibly well.
1: It does good for you. It does well for you. You're going to be okay. I, that to the me. Most
7: of us were having a heart attack, but <laughs> nothing ever faced him.
1: You know, <laughs> it was See, like high noon, and
7: the, the saloon doors opened, and he comes mosey and in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's yes, that is the story you told me when I maybe perhaps similarly. Uh, moseyed, sauntered in and said, "Hey, how's everything going? You ready to go, <laughs> Ready?" To do this.
7: And I was like, oh.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. And and now somehow I don't know why, Professor. I don't I don't know if you did something in a past life, but you've had to teach me in moot court and and coach and mood us there. I mean, really, you, you, I'm like a bad penny. You just can't get rid of me. I've done There's my fun.
7: purgatory. I'm going
1: right to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> this your your torture <laughs> doesn't end. I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> but somehow I, I must say from this side of things, I've absolutely loved it. And I, I, I just I, I, I love you, Professor. I couldn't appreciate you more. Well, the so feelings amazing.
7: mutual. And by the way, we have a mooting date coming up soon. So I need that brief. I need that brief.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I hope I hope you I hope you absolutely take it to us. Uh, me especially, I, I want. I want oh, to. Oh, you know, hard. I will.
7: You don't even have to ask.
1: with the hot bench. Hot, hot, hot bench. bench and tough <laughs> questioning is coming. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on here.
7: Welcome. I've, it's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Professor. It's been oh, great, and okay. thank you for the interview and Just a lot podcast just getting started.
0: And that's all we have for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are happy that we get to be in your headphones and on your speakers. I'm Leah Silverman.
2: I'm Joanna Plazier. I'm
3: Kevin O'Sullivan. And I'm still Tom Blakely.
0: And we will see you next time. If you want to reach out to us and give us some comments, compliments, you can email us at justlawpod at bc.edu.